0: Welcome to experience junkies on this show. I spotlight meeting and event professionals, global travelers, jet setters, and more to relive the moments we never want to forget. More importantly, we'll attempt as best we can to transport listeners to transformational points in our lives, sharing our observations and emotions behind these stories. By diving into the indelible impact these experiences have had on us, We decode small takeaways about how to be better humans than we were yesterday. On today's episode, I am joined by the lovely Liz Lathan of Hot Companies, and we talk about the business case for emotions in experiences and events, and how we can be proactive about creating those moments, creating emotional connections with our attendees, especially opportunities for serendipity. So I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with me and Liz Lathan of Hot Companies. Welcome back to Experience Junkies. I am happy to have with me here someone that I deem an influencer, if you will, in the events and event marketing and experiential space. I've been a fan for quite some time, so, so excited to have her on the show. So please welcome uh, the lovely Liz Lathan. Liz, Hi. thank you so much been for been been being, here. being here.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me.
0: Awesome. Liz, tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Absolutely. Well, my name is Liz Lathan and I am a co-founder and chief marketing officer for Hot Companies, which is a collection of human-centric brands. We have creative and event agency. We have a music venue. We have all sorts of incredible stuff. But we're here today to talk more on return on emotion and the agency side of things and the really fun stuff that we've got coming out.
0: Wonderful. So, HOT, for those of you who are not familiar, um, as as Liz mentioned, they do have, you know, an actual event venue down in Texas, but they do a lot of work for brands. Like, you do a lot of work in the marketing space, um, kind of being that third-party agency um, to help them create these different experiences for their different um, objectives or trying to meet with their customers, right?
1: Absolutely. We love, love, love helping create. It's really those experiences that are um, going to create more human to human connection. That's really what we grew from. And that's that's what we try to do. It's not just send something in the mail. It's very much a, a cohesive closed loop from beginning to end, make it meaningful every step of the way type of thing.
0: Yeah. I love that you kind of made, made sure to mention the human to human connection. And I think that's what I love about Hot and your company and your employees. Um, something I love that you guys always uh, talk about are hotties. Um, so That's tell true. tell the audience a little bit about what is hot. Like what is the the ethos of your brand and what makes a hottie.
1: Yeah. Well, technically it is oat and it's a French word that means fashionably elegant or high class. But we're from Texas and it's way more fun to market things when you call it hot. And you can do all sorts of crazy stuff like have be a hot mess, you can, you know, all the things. So that's really the way we went because we do things in a in a high class, elegant way, but very human. And we really want to humanize what hot is. And that's what we try to do. We believe that business is personal. So it's about creating those connections with your brand, with your company, with your association, your organization organization, just person to person. People do business with people, not companies. I love that. That's that's wonderful. Especially, th- I think it's really
0: uh, plain when you put it that way, that it's a French word, so it's kind of hoity-toity, but with like a Texas <laughs> spin, right? A little Texas twang on it. So uh, Southern you know, hospitality, right? <laughs> very, yeah, very <laughs> elevated, but very human-centric. So I love the way that you explained that. Wonderful. So we wanted to bring you here to talk about something that Just kind of lit me up like i said i've been a fan of you guys for a while and the work that you do but you recently kind of mentioned this new study and new initiative that you were launching and it was called return on emotion and that just kind of like got my little spidey senses going because you know there's tons of talk about like return on investment even return on time or return on energy and all these different things. But that was the first time I'd heard the term return on emotion, um, especially from like an events or an experiential standpoint. So to kind of talk about like where that came from and, and what was the inspiration behind it?
1: Yeah. Well, as an event professional yourself, you know that we really value experiences. We know that a shared experience is what bonds people. So how could we, kind of put money to that because you, you get into a rut of creating events for your like keynote breakout expo concert ta-da and we really wanted to push beyond that and why were the events that we were able to put on so successful at creating connections that drove business and we really didn't know why we intuitively create these experiences for people um but but trying to sell it to a client or sell it to our own internal team for the budget is really we needed a lot more meat behind it, some more analytics. So we crafted a research study throughout 2021, right at the end of year one of the pandemic when we were still having fun in virtual, and we really wanted to pinpoint how could you take a virtual event and evoke an emotion that would create the same connection as an in-person event, knowing at that point that we were gonna be in virtual at least a little bit longer. So we wanted to craft these virtual experiences and identify which emotions. Everyone hears that you know emotions drive brand loyalty. And there was a Harvard business study that said 95% of decisions are made based on emotion not based on logic. No one buys a Ferrari because it's a smart buy. It's an emotional <laughs> Good point, good point. So, <laughs> so what was the emotion that we needed to evoke to drive pipeline and revenue? Not just brand loyalty, but to create a business connection. So our research study was intended for the full year of 2021. We did it at virtual programs, and then we tested it with in-person programs as well to determine which emotion it truly was. And it turns out there are five. And these five emotions have to be evoked pretty much evenly across the board. There's not really one that stood out more than the other. But if you can create all of these five emotional experiences in your program, doesn't even have to be an event. It could be a direct mail program. It could be a video even. But if you can craft this to make the people that you're sending it to feel these five things, you have created an experience that will drive ROI. So we say ROE drives ROI. So what are those five emotions? Um, we like to say that emotions bring home the bacon. So our acronym is HAM with three A's.
0: <laughs> you keep it to the so, bowl, right? You're keeping that Texas twang in there. Sure.
1: <laughs> it is hopeful, adventurous, active, accepted, and motivated. And we know that as marketers, most of us are pretty good at the hopeful and the motivated, right? Because that's what drives persuasion. So we're gonna make people have hope for the better future and we're gonna make people motivated to go take action. It's those three A's, the meat of our ham sandwich in the middle that people tend to forget. You need a sense of adventure in your programs. You have to make people either step outside their comfort zone or feel like they're going on a journey with your customer that's gone through a transformation, whatever it is, they mm-hmm. have to feel this sense of adventure. Yeah. Active doesn't necessarily mean that they've got to be climbing a rock wall or doing anything crazy, but being an active participant. So even if you're just doing broadcasts or webcasts or something, find a way to create the surround. And one of the examples I always give is Game of Thrones. I, you know, you might not realize this, but that was not live. (laughs) (laughs) That that was pre-produced, pre-planned, and rolled out. And I got really excited that every Sunday night, Game of Thrones was coming on. And even though there was no community necessarily around it, but there was activity for me. All my friends that were watching it, we would text each other, what's going to happen with Jon Snow? And it became this active part of it that I felt connected to. You can do that with your content, your webinars, your events. Keep people as a part of it and excited about what's coming next. And then one that you recently wrote about on LinkedIn, Accepted. That's the one that, especially in virtual programs, people forget you turn on your broadcast, you hit go. And I feel like if I click that little X on the top of my screen, you're not gonna notice if I left. You don't know if I was ever there. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that when people join it, they feel like they're in the right place, they're with the right people, and they're accepted as a part of it. That sense of belonging is really, really important for any kind of program. So those are the real, Those are the five quick ones, and it's so easy to use i love
0: that it's that you put it as h and m as you know the bread essentially and those three Mm -hmm. a's are the meat and and that's probably what's missing in a lot of programs are those three a's and you're right i did just kind of talk about the being accepted at an event so it was totally aligned because we hadn't uh, talked about what we were talking about the show so that was like Oh, wow, total piece of it, that we came together on the same.
1: I know. When I read that post, I was like, you get it. You get it.
0: <laughs> We're on the same page. And what really struck me is you're talking about, especially with the virtual programs, you know, if I hit that little X, you're not going to notice. How do we make people feel that their presence is missed if they're not there, especially with the virtual program or even in person? Um, and I think as we've shifted to either virtual events or smaller, more intimate events, um, mm-hmm. that's something we can tap into a, a lot more. These mega events that are like citywide and thousands of thousands of people, they grew to that, to that scale for a reason, but yeah, to build them back up, how do we make people feel accepted, feel that their presence is missed, you know, outside of the whole like COVID safety and mitigation outside of that aspect, but Hey, we want to see you. We miss you that intimacy. So thanks for, for mentioning that as well.
1: Yeah and I think it's it's in the in person events it's almost less about the continued will we miss you if you disappear type thing it's you know we all have irish goodbye an event right like <laughs> <Being> <laughs> to black right <laughs> <laughs> But but the the initial when you get there, even on the webcast, the, and so many people do this now of drop in where you're dialing in from, and you know just to feel that like oh I, here I'm, I'm in Canada, I'm in Switzerland, and you start having that sense, and the conversations really start there. And same thing with an event. You mentioned micro events; they don't have to be standalone. Think about your micro events within your forty thousand person event. People want to find their tribe, so whatever you can do to get those tribes going pre-event on the day of the event, that those very first few hours of the first day, that's what makes all the difference.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. As long as there is some type of emotional connection at some point, then right. that's kind of the the North Star that that attendee will carry throughout the experience.
1: Well, I feel like it's our job to just create stories for people to tell. So mm-hmm. whatever the experience is that we're creating, if someone's going to repeat what just happened to them, you won. I, oh, that's, that's so key, Liz, because it's like – our memories
0: of the receipts of the experiences that we're having. So if your attendees don't have any stories to tell after they don't have any receipts to show people, then what really was it worth their time? Did they get any return on emotion? So exactly, um, that's really, I love that statement. What receipts are they showing? That's great. (laughs) So while you guys were kind of doing the research and pulling all this together about return on emotion, you were also side by side planning an event um, called Flashpoint. So mm-hmm. talk about the history of Flashpoint and my spidey senses. And based on kind of following you guys, I think this was an event that had multiple iterations before it became what it was. So yeah. kind to of talk about that process and those pandemic challenges that you may have faced.
1: Well, no one knows better than this industry how many times we have pivoted, turned, shifted, shape-shifted, morphed, canceled, re-upped, <laughs> all the things for everything. <laughs> shape-shifted is probably my favorite that you use. <laughs> um, So pre-pandemic, we had an event that was called Secret Family Reunion, where we grabbed a bunch of event and experiential marketers and business professionals. We invited them to meet us at JFK, JFK Airport, bring a passport, pack for six days, and we didn't tell them anything else. Um, They got there and we revealed that we had chartered a plane and we're taking them to Tuscany for a six-day experience, which was focused on something we call a spontaneous think tank, meaning we crowdsource the topics of conversation that people want to have, challenges they're trying to solve, solutions they've already got that could help someone else with. And this experience was going to be all content from around that. And then just real true authentic Italian experiences that could happen in small groups. So we Mm -hmm. had about 80 people. We had exactly 80 people go. And little groups of six would go do truffle hunting Mm -hmm. or painting or pasta making. So, again, it was those micro experiences within a larger group that drove that. Um, And the emotions that came from that, we didn't know anything about ROE at that point. But we've been told from the participants that over $10 million in business happened among the participants with each other from just that one trip. Wow! So we knew that we'd done ten million dollars worth of business. Yes, and then I talked to someone recently who said, "What I did ten million alone from the people I met on that trip." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> we need to so- update our, our post-event statistics." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So knowing that we did something right and trying to figure out what we did was kind of what sparked the ROE thing in the beginning. But so that trip was supposed to be. We were going to do it every other year because it takes a lot of effort to do a secret trip. I, don't I can know. imagine. Um, <laughs> but when the pandemic hit, people weren't quite ready to not know where they were going. So we were trying to bring it back in July of 2021. We had locked in with the Atlantis, um, who their sales manager that we were working with ha- happened to be on the secret trip with us. And so he helped us bring us bring it there. Nice. We didn't normally do these types of experiences in a big hotel, especially mm-hmm. something that in my head was just Vegas on the beach. And so it's was <laughs> like, I don't know how this is going to go. It's a very
0: visual I mean, representation.
1: <laughs> I, can, I can see it. I mean, I've never been before, and that was really mm-hmm. my impression of it. And so when we got down there to see the space, it's, it's humongous. So in Vegas fashion, it's big um, and it has a casino. But that was the end of how close it was to Vegas. The people at that resort are everything we embody. Mm -hmm. They've been working there for 20, sometimes 40 years, and they will tell you your stories. They welcome you in. They, They had everything that we wanted. So we were like, okay, well, we found our place. No one wants a surprise place anyway, so we'll just make this. We'll tell people where they're going, and then everything that we do there will be the surprise, and that'll be how we flip it. So that was July 2021, and come May of 2021, people were like, yeah, there's still a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Maybe we won't be traveling internationally yet because nobody could travel internationally. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of regrouped again and decided that we would move it to January of 2022 and kind of come hell or high water. We were going to make this thing happen because right. we, we had to show a little bit of leadership in the industry, I think, and show that we can do things. And if we take all the right precautions, we loved the idea of picking the Bahamas because The country itself required you to have negative tests to get Mm -hmm. in, so we didn't have to put that on us as event professionals. We were able to leverage the infrastructure of the country, Mm -hmm. and they do a really great job of taking those tests. And Atlantis itself also has a rule, every 48 hours, you have to get tested and turn in those results. Wow. So, again, just in the planning process, we thought that that would work out really well for us. That's a good, just
0: quick aside to any planners that are listening out there is... If you want to be a little stricter in your protocols, then either maybe your attendees or your stakeholders, maybe just selecting the venue that's going to kind of fight that fight on your behalf, and you're not going to be the uh, security guard, you know, trying to enforce these policies. It's like, hey, it's out of my hands. That's that's Bahamas' policies. That's the Atlantis' policies. I think that's kind of an interesting takeaway there.
1: It was great. It helped us on the budget. It helped us on the rules and the enforcement, and knowing that it was we were able to use so many outdoor spaces. Atlantis obviously has a ginormous convention center and everything, but Mm. it's hundreds of acres of beautiful outdoor space. So we were able to do everything outdoors and not even have to worry about it at all, mask while inside and then spread out while outside. It was perfect.
0: That's lovely. That that sounds awesome. So as you were planning and organizing this conference, like you said, it had multiple iterations over some time, but what was your North Star? Um, and it, maybe it would have been the same as uh, the experience with, you know, the secret family reunion, which I yeah. will say I was hopeful to go on the next one. Um, but obviously things changed. Uh, but what was the North Star of like this experience has to, you know, our attendees have to walk away with this or they have to have this emotion or what was the yeah. driving force between, behind all the decisions you made along, you know, essentially a two year planning process. Hello, experienced junkies. Thanks for listening to the show. If you are in need of a show host, an event MC, a panel moderator, or speaker, feel free to contact me at Deanna at DeannaCamille.com for more information. I would love to come to your show, your event, or your experience and help set the tone with the emotions and objectives your organization has for your guests. Reach out today for more information on how you can bring the experienced junkies vibe to your next engagement.
1: Yeah, well, we went a little bit back and forth uh, because we had actually three different companies in 2020, 2021. We had Hot Dokimazo, um, which was the initio- initial uh, spontaneous think tank and secret family reunion company, the, the company that did those experiences. We had Hot Rock Creative, which was our creative agency that did client events and client programs. And then we acquired a company called Eventworks out of L.A. in uh, 2021. And so that was large scale production, incredible programs, really large experiential type things. We brought all three of those together in October of 2021 and renamed, rebranded the agency as just hot so that we could take all those capabilities, put them under one roof. And so as we were switching the event to be from the secret trip, to really be not a showcase of us, but more of a showcase of how we think that we could share with others, because it's an easy way to think and to bring people together and keep this as an industry community event we didn't want to take it over. We wanted to keep that ethos alive. So we switched it to Flashpoint because that is the moment where ideas ignite, right? Flashpoint is where the fire starts. Mm -hmm. And we rebranded it. We've kept it in January of 2022. And the idea was we want to put in some conversations around some of these experiences that we have been creating and share what we've learned because we've been out there doing a lot of stuff and then keep the spontaneous think tank and keep the surprise element. So while we told people what they were doing, they didn't quite get it until they were there. We said, you're gonna go behind the scenes of the Marine Mammal Center, and you're gonna go underground to the aquarium operations, and you're gonna meet with the bomb dog team. And they were like, yeah, 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 great. That sounds fun. (laughs) But the experience itself was all the things. So we use return on emotion as a blueprint, mapping all of the experiences up against all of those five emotions to make sure we're hitting all of them in the right fashion. So the idea was day one, it's all about acceptance. Mm -hmm. I met him personally. I met everyone at the airport with pom-poms and greeted everyone. (laughs) So I was You met
0: everyone personally at the airport. That's a lot.
1: So that was day one, making sure they felt like they were accepted and belonged immediately. And um, while they waited on the event to begin that evening, we had a cabana set up at the pool beach area where our CEOs hung out there and welcomed everybody for a nice afternoon before the evening. And then as the evening began, we had a in the Bahamas, they have something called a junk canoe, which is kind of like a carnival type thing. So we had a junk canoe parade and a history of Junkanoo and the Bohemian spirit. And so to make them feel accepted, In the Bahamas as well. So that was all the day one. Day two was about adventure and active. So the Mm -hmm. active part was we crowdsourced. We found out what challenges they're trying to overcome, what challenges they've solved and can help each other with. Sticky notes all over the windows and try to get them because they're creating the content. So that's the active part. The adventure part was we did those behind the scenes things. So um, Atlantis is the home of this incredible Blue Ocean Foundation project. They have that all the dolphins that are part of Dolphin Mm Key were rescued from Hurricane Katrina, I believe. Mm -hmm. They have the mammal hospital, marine mammal hospital, where if there is an animal in distress, they get brought there to get worked on and heal and rehabilitated. And so we got to go behind the scenes and see all of that stuff underwater or underground, the aquarium, we had to see aquarium operations, how they acquire the fish, how they heal them, the fish hospital, how they quarantine them and make sure, like, it was so cool. The bomb dog team, no one even knew that there was a canine unit for Atlantis, but that team has been around for about 40 years and they only meet the guests when they're taking them down. Got uh, good, good note. And we got to meet them, and they did a whole demonstration for us, and it was absolutely incredible. And watching them video us watching them. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so kind of meta, right? Like <laughs> the, the
1: reflection that never ends. Exactly, exactly. So that was day two, to focus on those two. And then day three was really on the hope and motivation when all the conversations were around. How do we make events better? How do we make what we're doing better? How can we really drive more of what people want, which is human connection, they've been missing for the last three years, and then motivated to take all those insights and take action. So we, we distilled all of the notes from all the sessions, turned it into a PowerPoint so that when they go back to the office, they have something to present to everyone that was there with them. And now everyone's motivated to take ROE and implement in their programs. So it's, it's easy to follow as a blueprint, it was incredible.
0: What I really appreciate um, that I think HOT does really well is you really, as you mentioned, you leverage surprise. And even if it's not, you know, of course, there's this there's a full spectrum of surprise where the secret family reunion was all the surprises. They were <laughs> clueless. And then maybe Flashpoint was a little less surprised because they knew where they were going. They had a rough agenda, but they didn't know all the, you know, nitty gritty details. How, as you are in the planning process, do you kind of that yin and yang between planning out every moment and activity and making sure things are flawless versus – Leaving an element of surprise, not just for the attendees, but for like you as organizers, because especially with like the spontaneous think tank, you don't know what the content will be. You don't know what will come from this. So how do you kind of balance that yin and yang of allowing for like serendipity, but also Mm -hmm. making sure that the event is, you know, according to the vision that you have for it?
1: Well, a lot of planning goes into serendipitous moments. (laughs) (laughs) That's the ironic part, isn't it? (laughs) So it's orchestrating for that and leaving the space and the time. And I think that's something that we as an industry are going to really have to work on this next year as we all bring events back, whether they're micro or macro events. We have executives that just say we've got all this content and everyone needs to hear it. But you have Mm -hmm. to build in the time and the space to let people have those serendipitous moments. And not that you want things to run long, but but being flexible enough to be able to adjust, that was a challenge we had. People were so into the tours, the behind the scenes tours that they did run long. And while we had a good three hours of time that we wanted to give people back because we were taking up all their time, we wanted them to be able to go work. We ate into that time and we heard that feedback, which was, you know, you did tell me I was gonna have this time to work and I had to miss one of those tours because it ran long. Not that I minded because the tour was so awesome that I got to go. And so, you I mean, it's a struggle for sure, but yeah. try to make sure you protect that time to let people meet each other, to let people talk to each other. And then do have a little bit of go with the flow though, be able to adjust. It's its definitely an art, I think, not a science. So
0: we talked earlier about kind of 2021 and it was still largely virtual until you know later in the year. And um, you know, the ROE study that you were doing was mostly virtual events to begin with. Can you talk about how you really measure it in a virtual setting then versus in an in-person setting? Like, how do you really know that someone can make an, an lasting emotional connection, you know, through a computer screen?
1: Yeah, it's using the blueprint, no matter what your program is, and making sure that you're going through all those emotions. So you've got a webinar coming up, and you know that all you're going to have is chat, maybe the ability to do some polls. Okay, now you have your parameters and know what to think through. You know your content is going to be hopeful and motivating because that's what your content is supposed to do. Easy peasy, you've got that planned. Now, how do you add adventure? It could be through video content. Um, One very simple way, as I mentioned earlier, taking one of your customers' transformation journey and bringing that story to life. When you see someone, let's say you're doing events for cloud computing and you see someone trying to make the shift from on-prem to cloud, but taking people through that journey and how they went there and how the adventure was and the pushback they got and then finally success, it's that hero's journey of a story. People are invested in that and it's helpful. Mm -hmm, we did a lot of virtual adventures where we would use the screen as a portal not a boundary and try to take people on we would take them on a shark dive or we drink whiskey on the top of a mountain in patagonia or you know kiss the barney stone in ireland and those are really really fun adventurous ways to get people out of their comfort zone but you don't have to go to that expense or to that extreme it truly can be through storytelling And then the active part, polls are great for activity, but I love the ones that allow people to get into the chat and actually share what's going on in their world. So throw a poll question up and then try to get more engagement in the chat so that people are giving you answers. Use it for insights. The reason Mm -hmm. we love crowdsourcing is because when we're done with that wall of sticky notes, we have an entire wall full of all the challenges people in our industry are trying to solve. So we know exactly what content to go hit. We know exactly what type of events to go, bring out to life next because we know what they're trying to do. You can use chat for that. And people love telling you their problems. So take that and use it. And then the accepted part for sure, when they join, make sure they feel welcome. Say hi. If you can say hi on camera and welcome them because you're seeing it, fantastic. If it's a video, something like we're doing now that's pre-recorded, making sure that they feel that connection with you, that you're offering something that they can use. And that's what I'm hoping we're doing right now because this is like cold fusion, free for all of you. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure that it's possible. So take that. Now, post-event, you want to measure it. And so you know how the NPS score, you've probably heard of that. Yeah. Brand loyalty. It's very simple. It's one question. Would you recommend my uh, my event, my my product to a colleague? It's great. It's a beautiful score, but that means they had to already do business with you in order to have a good NPS score. Where the ROE score comes in is they don't have ever had to do business with you to have an emotional connection enough to be willing to recommend you or do business with you. Mm -hmm. So it's simply five questions and it's taking that scale. So it's think of a ten point scale like a slider, zero to ten. How did you feel after this event? Hopeless to hopeful, uninspired to motivated, rejected to accepted. Hesitant to adventurous, rejected to, I said rejected, accepted, and then what was my last one, Um, active, so passive to active. So you ask those five questions, you want to get a score of 8.6 or higher when you average out those scores. 8.6 was the threshold that our research found that that's created an environment where people are willing to do business with you or with each other. And the research study was through three different cohorts. So it was attendee to attendee attendee to sponsor and attendee to host event host and all of those were the same five emotions so it's nice and easy to ask those same questions and you know you've created this environment for business readiness wonderful and i like that you kind of closed it with
0: the measurement because you know when we're dealing especially in the b2b world everything points back to how can you demonstrate the value to stakeholders. And a lot of times Absolutely. they just need hard and fast numbers. Uh, Absolutely. Right? Um, and we can
1: say with Flashpoint, we had a nine point ROE score. So with everyone that submitted their surveys. Now, I don't have a solution for making people complete their surveys. That is something we're still going ongoing, uh, to do. That's an ongoing pick here in this industry. But. <laughs> but once you get that score, now you know, because the really it's the marketing teams creating these programs, but the sales teams are going to care. Because no sales guy wants to be given an entire list of leads that came from your cold webinar that they have to reach out to Hey, saw that you joined the webinar. How'd it go? Like, that's not what they want. What they want are a whole bunch of people when you call them and you say, how was it on the shark adventure that you joined? And they're like, it was so great. They want to have those conversations. The sales team wants to reach out to people that are willing to chat with them. So sales will really care about your ROE score.
0: Absolutely. And uh, one thing you kind of touched on is the whole collaboration piece and and crowdsourcing, if you will. How do event professionals make more of a business case for crowdsourcing? I feel like that's kind of the next step for our industry to have more of that in our experiences. So how do they go to their stakeholders and ask for, you know, the support and resources to do more of that?
1: I think it's there's three simple ways you can do crowdsourcing. We do it pretty extreme, which requires an awful lot of faith and trust from everyone involved because we crowdsource on the spot. We take an hour or so to look at the insights and then craft the breakout sessions based on what people wanna talk about. Um, We do it really fast. We've been doing it for four or five years now. So we're able to do that. And it's it's difficult to do internally if you um, aren't comfortable with it. But a very, very simple way is on your registration form, just ask the question, What challenges are you trying to solve right now? What challenges do you have that you could share solutions with other people? Two simple questions and that lets you know who's coming to your event that you could even call upon to to offer some solutions, to offer conversation that you can call on in your audience at the event. And then what they're trying to solve, you've got all of those insights right there. Same thing you would get on a sticky note. So they're putting it in advance. I caution you about using those requests to build your content because you're doing it pre-event, depending on how long you're building the content. Sometimes people register and don't show up. We see that virtually 50% or more attrition. So those might not be the people that show up. So be careful if you're doing it that far in advance, Um, use it as a guiding light, kind of a North star to build your content, but don't rely so heavily. And then my other one is um, just, just popping up survey questions in your events and using that for the insights and asking, throw up the question, have people put it in chat. You can at least gather those insights. We already do it with Q&A. Right. But thinking about it from a content perspective. So if you've got an opening session and you know that you've got more content in the afternoon, ask some questions now so that you can feed those insights to your afternoon speakers. And they'll know where your audience is coming from, and that allows you to shape it a little and, again, create that sense of belonging, that they know that they're there because you knew that they were going to be there.
0: Yeah, essentially it's going to help you keep that common thread throughout the story. It's it's just adding on another chapter, and everything is all related um, to where you started on day one. Yeah. So. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, we are wrapping up. This has been a great conversation. So happy to have you. Is um, it already over? Totally yeah, molly. I know. It's just, <laughs> we've been we've been talking about everything, and we it's like, oh my god, our time is almost up. But um, real quick, I ask every guest on the show this question. So hope to not put you on the spot. But if you had to pick a song to ex to convey this experience, whether it's you know uh, the experience of. Hosting Flashpoint, the experience of doing all the surveying and the research to determine what Return on Emotion was. If you had to pick
1: a song to convey that, what would it be and why? Oh, so I actually had a different song in mind for a different type of question, um, but I think I can answer both of those. So my original one was going to be around an event career and just being in this industry, and that was going to be Taylor Swift's "Shake It Off."
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's basically from twenty March twenty twenty on to to current day.
1: "Shake It Off." career from when I graduated to now you just got (laughs) to take it off and move on (laughs) but I think from what the angle you're coming from and and the changes and everything I'm going to go with journeys don't stop believing because Mm -hmm. I really do think that there's the connections people are making and the the belief that they need to have in order to move things forward there is a brighter future ahead of us. And I have that hope and I've loved our past and our future is going to be incredible. Our best days are ahead of us and this is incredible.
0: Well, if nothing else is going to tell you not, don't stop believing, just take a bite out of that ham sandwich. It starts with hopeful (laughs) and it ends with motivated. So that's right. (laughs) (laughs) forward, Um, Liz, tell everyone where they can find you
1: and hot on the interwebs. Absolutely. So you can look at R O E drives dot com to learn more about return on emotion and how you can use it in your programs. And we are available at we and that's H A U T E.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been so nice talking with you today. I feel like the podcast has been blessed with your presence. So thank, oh, you, thank you for, you so yeah, I'm thank blessed. you for coming and telling us all about return on emotion. Um, look forward to seeing more in the future with that. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Experienced Junkies podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify so that other listeners can find the show. Be sure to join our Discord channel. This is a great place for you to give feedback, talk with me, talk with our guests and other listeners and share your Experienced Junkie tales. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.